0: All right, well, I encourage you to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. You're going to see the words on the screen. Brother Ted is going to read our passage for us this morning uh, before we get started.
1: This is out of the International Version, and it's uh, titled Spiritual Blessings in Christ. Oh, is I was supposed to read from three on, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay, because they started with one there. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to the mystery of his will, to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed to Christ, to be put into effect when the time will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen having me being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Amen.
0: Thank you. Isn't that a mouthful? I'm so glad he offered to read that for me this morning. (laughs) That, as I told you a couple weeks ago, is um, in the Greek one sentence, and it is quite a powerful sentence. It's so good to be back with you this morning. Thank you, Dan, for Filling in for me last Sunday, I want to say, I wish I could have said that I was praying for you all as you're worshiping here, but I was asleep. I was out. I slept for 17 hours last Sunday. I was so sick and tired, and I'm grateful for the grace that the Lord showed for us to be able to be here today. But I'm glad that we're all here this morning back in our series on finding our true, true identity in Christ, and this morning we're, we're, we're kind of in the same place I know that maybe some of you are hoping to be further down the road in the book of Ephesians and you just gotta stop that, okay? We just gotta get that under our understanding right now is we're not gonna plow through this. We're not gonna rush through this. We need to, we need to take our time to let this percolate in our hearts and we are gonna take the time this morning just to talk about some of the blessings. That Paul states that we have in Christ together today, and my concern is for each of us, not this that we get through the sermon without any yellow cards or red cards coming up. My concern is as we talk about the blessings of Christ that we all are living them, right? We all are experiencing them in our own life. It's just not enough to understand them. It's just not enough for someone else to read them for us. But my prayer for each of us is that when we talk about the blessings that God gives us is that that we know them in our own heart. We're experiencing them in our own life and that they are very potent in our daily living. Now, in Bible times, in the book of Ephesus, you're going to see on your screen one of the wonders of the world. In fact, in in this time, the temple to Artemis was the second greatest wonder of the world next to the Egyptian pyramids. It was over football field long, and it was ornate in every way. And during its time, it was the Taj Mahal of places of worship. And you could go all over this part of the world during this time and find all kinds of amazing structures erected, uh, just about every kind of deity that you could think of. And people were consumed with this idea of building a grander place of worship so their God would know that they were more special to them than any of the other gods. And and it was every kind of ritual that you could imagine, and even sadistic and disgusting kinds of acts of worship that people would do in order to try to, to garner the approval of the gods. Well, the Apostle Paul came on the scene and preached a very different kind of living, where we need to repent of our sins and bow before the Lord. And it said during one part of his ministry there that 50,000 days' wages were burned of worth of, of worshiping idols and artifacts of pagan interest. And then we come to the book of Ephesians, written maybe years after that time. And Paul's concern after all these years of these people walking with God and, and knowing things about him is that deep in their heart they would know the rich, deep, powerful spiritual blessings that are available to each and every one of us here this morning because we live a life that's in Christ. C.S. Lewis had a comment about, about the danger that we all have, but particularly of ancient days, of trying to do things to accomplish or to get a blessing from a deity. And he said, what a primitive people that they thought, were they, that they were to think they could manipulate a deity to bless them. They thought by getting rid of something or making some kind of sacrifice that the gods would suddenly shine down with their favor upon them, making them rich or healthy or fertile or happy. But as soon as those things didn't happen, then they'd give up on their deity and run to another one, looking for someone they could run to, someone they could go to in in order to meet their needs or in order to get what they needed out of God. And I think in our culture today, this is one of the dangers that we have. We run from God when he speaks to us. We run from God when he calls to us. We run from God when he convicts us. And we hide from his spirit and from his presence because we don't want him to take charge of our life. But when things go wrong, when life goes awry, when things get messed up, Many times we come running back to the church. We come running back to God because everything's wrong and we want God to make it right. He becomes like a personal fireman to us. And we think just by the fact that we're coming back to him that God has to bless us. There's a lot of churches in our country today that teach if you give more, if you do more, if you have more faith than you do now, then God will bless you. And Paul is saying if you're in Christ, you're blessed already. These are the things that you can know and these are the things that you can have in your life. I'm reading a book that I'd really recommend by Sky just, just thawning. It's called With. Reimagining the way you relate to God. And in his book, he talks about this kind of life that we that we live, that we li- we're living under God. And if we do all the things that God expects us to do, then he'll be happy with us and he'll pronounce his favor upon us. And if we don't, do all the things that we're supposed to do, then God's wrath will come down and will be disappointed with us and will be a failure and he'll fail to bless us. And so we spend our lives in the kind of two different realities. we either running from God because we don't want him to take charge of our life or maybe because we've been running, things get so messed up that we go running to him in order to get him to bless us. And that's why I appreciate the title of this book so much, Life with God. Not life running away or running to, but life in the daily presence of a God who loves us so much. And I think this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, the blessings that we have living in a life in Christ over and over again. In this passage, 11 times Paul talks about what it means to be in Christ or with Christ and the blessings that come from that. And so we're going to take another sermon just to look at the first few verses of this book because I don't want any of us to miss the blessings of living a life in Christ. Do you? I don't want to miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me. The blessings that I need to know I should have in my own life. Do you remember how I asked you a couple weeks ago, if you woke up in the morning and say, man, I'm so blessed, that's how you wake up in the morning? I've thought a lot about that since I asked that question of our congregation. How do I wake up in the morning and consider my life and how I am blessed? And you might say, Pastor, well, this morning, I don't see blessing at the unemployment office. I don't see blessing at my dead-end job. I don't see blessing in these difficult relationships I'm in. I even looked under the seat to find something, and all I found is dried-up gum. I don't see blessings anywhere. And Paul says they're right here, right in front of us, but they're only found in Christ. And a life of intimate knowledge with the one who loves us so much. So we come to this passage, and we come to this epistle. Remember where this was written from? Where is Paul writing this book from? From prison. He's writing this book from prison. And depending on the version that you read this morning, as Ted read our passage together, I'm going to use a different version to how it starts. It says in these words, let's all come together and bless the God who has blessed us because of all the blessings that he's blessed us with. Here's the guy who's been thrown in prison for, for doing right. And all of a sudden, everything that had gone right for him was going wrong. And he comes to the beginning of this letter and he says, we just all need to get together and praise God for all the amazing blessings that he's given us in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine being in that congregation that first Sunday or Saturday that this letter was received? Their pastor, their mentor, their spiritual father or grandfather who had given everything in order to found that church and to get that place started was locked away in some fort. And the pastor gets up, and I wonder what he's going to say first. He says, let's just praise God for all the blessings that we have in Christ. Can you imagine how encouraging that would be? How inspiring that would be for the congregation to hear these words that Paul was able to focus on Christ even in such a dark and terrible place. If Peter wrote an epistle from the church or from the prison in Ephesus, it might have gone something more like this. Day one, stinks. Day two, guess what? It still stinks. And day three and day four would probably be filled with all the ways that God had messed up, the things were messed up, all the circumstances were all wrong, and I didn't know how I was going to make it through. And Paul, who had every reason to complain, starts with a shout of praise for the God who had blessed him so very much. I want to live a life where I start out my day shouting the praises of the blessings that God has given us. So let's look at them this morning. You see in your outline this morning, if you haven't already found it, there's an outline in your bulletin. Um, we can follow along with that. Those of you who like to take notes should enjoy that. We're going to look at five of the blessings that Paul begins to start out this passage with. And the first one is that he starts out with this blessing of being chosen by God. Verse 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Did you wake up this morning thanking God for the blessing that he chose you? I think it would probably be good for us if we're going to work through this practice of acknowledging, experiencing, and living in the blessings of God to be specific about what they are. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, you, if you've been trying, or maybe you're going to try, just to wake up and say this morning, thank you, Lord, I'm blessed. I think that will probably work for a few days, but after a while, the devil's going to say, how? Your back hurts. How are you blessed? Your car's got problems. How are you blessed? You're sick. How are you blessed? There's things going on in your family that you do anything to. Do. How exactly are you blessed again? I think we need to learn to be specific about the that we that we have, and Paul is in this passage. And it's something that we can learn and know and develop as a part of our spiritual repertoire in order to fight off the lies of the enemy but the Bible says that we have been chosen by God. How cool is that? That God has chosen you. That God has chosen me to be his friend, to be his servant, to be a part of his family. And Paul says, I'm going to start this off by celebrating that we have been chosen by God. What a powerful message of love that is. I was thinking about that as we were singing the chorus, Oh, Oh, How He Loves Us. He loves us so much that he chose us just the way that we are. Just the way that we are, he has chosen us to be in him. And we'll get to some of the other blessings in a minute. I can remember the church I got saved at um, The um, as soon as the message was over. I mean, literally, as soon as the amen was sounded and the final song was sang, we ran for the gym. We ran for the gym, and I think we even had our own exit that everyone got out of our way in order we didn't run anybody over, because there was a basketball game to be played. And we were excited, we were competitive, and this is serious, and And we'd, we'd make our way out to the, to the gymnasium, and the first thing that we did was choose teams. And normally, the way we do that, um, we had a couple of girls who played basketball, and they were as good as the guys, I mean... I'm just telling you right now, we lived in fear of getting, they didn't dunk on us, thankfully, they weren't that big. But the worst thing you could have had is to have one of those girls score on you. And it happened to every one of us. They were that good. But we'd start out each game by, by choosing teams. And so we let one of the ladies be one of the captains, and then we would let one of the guys be a captain, and they would choose our teams. If you know basketball, you have five players on a team, and anyone who was beyond that 10. If we had more than that, they'd have to wait until the first game was over and then we'd do the whole process over again. I'm really grateful that I was good enough that I was always in that first group. I was always chosen to be on one of those opening teams. And I don't know what it would have been like for me if I had not been chosen in that moment. And the Bible says in this passage that God has chosen us. He looks at us in our station, in our place right now, and he sees us with delight. He's like, I want them to be part of my family. I want them to be on my team. I want to use them in order to touch the world. I want them to be a part of me so that through them I can change the world. And the Bible says that God sees you wake up in the morning and he has chosen you, no matter how you feel about what you see in the mirror. He picked you. He's picked me to be part of his grace, to be a part of his work, to be a part of his ministry right there. And I think Paul's already getting excited. The fact that God chose him. I mean, think about Paul's laundry list. He was murdering Christians. He was trying to literally destroy the church in its very beginnings. And yet even despite all of that, he says that I have been chosen in Christ to be his to be used by Him and be made a part of God's plan for redeeming the world. No matter where we've been, no matter what we look like, no matter what we can or cannot do, it is just by the mere fact that we are. And He is. He has chosen us. And what a blessing that is to be chosen by God. And it may feel like no one else notices. It may feel like no one else chooses you. It may feel like you're ignored, like you've forgotten that you're left alone, that you are alone. Be reminded that God has chosen you out of his amazing love. Another blessing that we see in this passage is the blessing of holiness. For he has chosen us in him before the creation of the world for a reason. Not just so that we would feel special, but so that we would be transformed by his power, to be transformed by his might. The psalmist said in his, in his passage in Psalms, while I was in my mother's womb, God saw me. Before I was a twinkle on my mother's eye, God looked down with favor upon me. God's heart was stirred with a desire to part his nature, impart his nature to us. And that is the heart of the gospel. Not just so so that we would feel better about us. Not just so that we might feel a little bit stronger self-esteem. God chose us so that we could be a reflector of his image. God has chosen us in order that others would see his light. See his love and see his life through ours. I don't know what your understanding of holiness is, but for many in the church, it's kind of an Old Testament kind of understanding of holiness. And it goes something like this. It's Sunday, so normally Sundays we're on our best behavior, right? Right? Okay, let's try that again. Normally on Sundays, we're on our best behavior, right? Maybe you're just being honest and saying, Pastor, this is my day to be ornery, but you're here, that's good. But in the Old Testament, there's a lot of this idea of performance. Follow all the laws, make all the sacrifices, be at all the events, make sure that you fall in line with all the orders and rituals, and if you're able to do all of these things, and then the high priest is able to do all of his things, if all those things can happen and everyone performs perfectly, then we're going to put our faith that some way down the road, God will forgive and accept that. And it becomes very much based on our performance. And you look at the characters in the Old Testament. Did they always perform perfectly? Nope. Lied, cheat, stole, murdered. Murdered and then lied about it and hid from God about it. I mean, you look at the laundry list of the people in the Old Testament. If you just went by the choices they made, God wouldn't have chose any of them. And I think that's probably true about you and I. If he looked at our ability to perform, he'd be like, (laughs) I'm going to try the next house down the street. But that's not what he had in mind. In Christ, he has chosen us. In Jesus, in his relationship with him, as we go through some of the other blessings, we're able to realize that in Christ, we have hope. In Christ, we have salvation. In Christ, we have everything that we need from him. And in Christ, we have the power to live a life above our own. Now, our culture tells us today that if we're if we're teenagers, we're going to rebel because we're teenagers. That's what teenagers do. If we're single people, we're going to sleep around because that's what single people do. If we're married and grown up and we have a midlife crisis, we're going to do what people in midlife crisis do and make stupid decisions and go off with somebody else because that's what everyone else around us is doing. And our culture bases much of a, their portrayal of how we love our life based on our needs, based on our circumstances, based of our stage in life and our identity, many times is not shaped by the Bible. It's not shaped by God. It's shaped by the world around us. And Paul says, no, you're chosen to be different. You're chosen to live a life that's surrendered to God. You're chosen a life that's to be loved above all of any physical need or temporary need or circumstance or, or picture the culture paints of you how you're supposed to live. And Paul says God chose you before you were born in order to live a life of commitment to Christ. He called you to live a life of sacrifice and surrender before him. a life of purity, a life of freedom that nothing could take away from you. Long before you were born, God's plan for you was for you to be a life of victory and freedom. When was the last time you woke up in the morning and said that to yourself? When was the last time, Christian, that you awoke in the morning and celebrated the fact that God's purpose before you were ever born was to free you from your past? was to release you from the burdens that you carry, that God's plan for you was to live a life that would be pleasing to him, not because of your performance, but because of your relationship to him. What a beautiful picture for us to realize in our life that God's plan for us was to free us from the chains that bind us. I think we live in a world today that's trying to throw those chains on faster than we can even imagine. And God says, no, I came for you so that you could be free from those things in your life. No wonder Paul's excited. And here's a man who's in prison. Here's a man who's lost everything that he thought he'd lost. And yet still in this dark dungeon, he can say, you know what? God has a plan for you to live a life that's completely pleasing to him. And he can still write that from prison. Do you think Paul had any regrets as he wrote that? I don't. God provided a way for Paul in Christ, in relationship to him, to fulfill the plans that God has for him, even when the circumstances fell apart all around him. And I think Paul would probably say to us Christians, friends today, we need to be able to see and sense the blessings of God even when things are falling apart. I think it's probably a lot easy for us to wake up in the morning when we're feeling good, when our car's running right, when our family's doing good, when our job is right, when there's money in the bank, when all the things that we need in order to feel happy, it's, it's probably fairly easy for us to discern how blessed we are when all of our material situations are A-OK. By the way, how many of you have that happen all the time? The reality is that's just not real life. And Paul knows that. He's writing to a church that is fearing for their life. He's writing for a church that, that has experienced this inner conflict of, are we going to live this kind of Christianity where we, where we have to perform or God doesn't love us? Or we try harder so that we can hope that God will bless us? Or are we just going to accept the fact that Jesus died for us and the fact that God did for us what we can never do for ourselves puts us in a place where we can know all these things about him because we know him? Out of the vibrancy of Paul's personal devotion, of his own intimacy with God, he writes these things to us that he loves us so much that he chose us. He loves us so much that he helps us to be holy before him. And we got food to eat, so we need to go on. There's also another blessing of adoption. Paul said in our passage this morning, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus, which is in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Though sin made us strangers, outcasts, or foreigners, God's full intention was to restore the family dynamic lost in the Garden of Eden. How many of you ever known someone that adopted a child? I know that we have a couple here that have adopted their own. How many of you known someone where, the, where you knew the child that was adopted? How I many of you have ever been there or seen a video of the moment when the child finds out for the first time? If you've never been in that moment, I encourage you, if you have the internet, go home and get on YouTube and search surprise adoptions. Just have a box of Kleenex nearby. There is something about someone who feels lost and alone without anyone. Hearing the news that someone loves them, that someone is there for them, that someone wants to take them into their home, take them into their heart, that changes everything. And knowing some of these families myself, a lot of them have a a forever day or a gotcha day once a year, don't they? And uh, for some of them, it's a big deal. They have people over and they have pizza or dinner, and if they had, were able to videotape it, it's on the TV, and they make a big deal of that moment in that day when everything changed forever. And Paul says, that's what I want for you. I want you to know that you're a special part of God's family, a special part of his home and his heart, that he has gathered his children unto himself. And if you're born without a father or you've lived your life and your father figure wasn't the most positive influence in your life, if, if there's no positive influence in your life, Paul says one of the greatest blessings that we have that before we were born, God chose to bring us into his family. God chose to bring us close to his heart in order that we could be his own. How many of you ever looked in the mirror and just felt lonely? Maybe you didn't look in the mirror at all. Sitting at home at night, can't find anything on the TV worth watching, which is probably most nights, unless the Oregon Ducks basketball team is on. Hooray for the Ducks for those who've been watching that. But we have times in our life where we just feel all alone. Wouldn't it be great for us to have the Holy Spirit remind us in those moments how blessed we are that we're part of God's family? This past Friday was Grandparents' Day at at the kids' school, and my um, dad and his wife were scheduled to come, and then uh, Grandma Lori um, had an accident walking the dog and tore her meniscus and was unable to come, so Dad filled in on Grandparents' Day. And uh, I'm really grateful that I was able to do that, though, because Levi would have been the only kid in the class without someone there. And that would have not. That would have hurt. So I was glad I could walk in and surprise him and be there. And they had a worksheet, get-to-know-you worksheet for all the grandparents. Or I think one lady there was an aunt, but almost all were grandparents, an aunt and a couple dads. And uh, so we had a worksheet to fill out. You know, where were you born? What was your favorite? Well, it wasn't your favorite chore. What chores did you have to do? what was your favorite teacher in school, what was your favorite subject, but at the beginning of the worksheet, there was a question, you know, because they had all kinds of different people there, what do you call grandpa? And some of them said Omar or Opa, you know, grandma or grandpa was the biggest one, and so we went around the classroom with a microphone, the teacher actually had one, and if you know me, when Levi has a microphone, I fear for my life. (laughs) Because you just never know what's going to come out. I was like, oh, he could say old man. He could say, you know, the old whatever, you know. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be pretty. Um, But he touched my heart when he said, this is my dad. His name is Peter, and I call him dad. And that made the whole day worth it right there. To know that he felt loved and respected and appreciated, it was his world. And friends, that's what God wants us to feel about him. Son or daughter, you're chosen to be holy before him, adopted, invited into his family to forever belong, a part of his heart and a part of his life. And Paul wants us to know that we never have to be alone. We may feel like we're alone, but let's remind ourselves with the word of God that we are never alone because we're part of his family. We're gonna go quickly through the last two this is so rich, you could do a series on, on these ideas. Paul just hits so many things. But he says, fourthly, there is a blessing of redemption. Now, redemption isn't a, a common preaching theme in our world today because we want people to feel good about themselves. We want them to know about the blessings that we already talked about. But he also talks about this need that each of us has in order to be delivered from our past. Now, one of the greatest stories in the Bible of God's deliverance is remember the the um plagues uh, on Pharaoh in Egypt, you know the frogs and the lice and the the river of blood and and all that kind of stuff, and it just went on and on and on. I can't imagine being a part of that, but remember the last one, the worst one of all was that the firstborn would die. One writer wrote the Angel of Death, and I don't like thinking of it that way. Angels are bearers of light but but God's servant, whoever was charged with that would come and every firstborn in the land would would perish. But God had a redeeming purpose in this plan that all the world would know that in him they are safe and said, for my children, for my people, for you and I, anyone who would believe his promise, you just take the blood of a spotless lamb and use the blood to wipe around the outside of your house and when the angel came to your home and saw the blood, applied, the child would be delivered. And since that time, it has been an example to us of what God means by redeeming grace. And so John would write much later about Jesus, and he would say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And as the mark of our sins fall upon us, Jesus came as our substitute, so our faith in his blood. In our heart, paint that belief that we are His and we can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I can still remember a conference I went to when I was 12. And Christian songs were, eh, they were okay. They weren't my favorite. They weren't, I just wasn't, I was more classical music at that time. But a crowd of about 3,000 people sang, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. And there's something in that moment where I knew I had a need. I was never going to perform. I was never going to be good enough. I was never going to be disciplined enough to earn his grace or to acquire his grace. And it was just because of faith in him that I could be delivered from my past. And it's a wonder if we look at the last idea this morning of forgiveness. Forgiveness we're redeemed, we're delivered from that past so that we can be forgiven. And I was thinking and praying about it this week. I was like, you know, what's our struggle, Lord? Is it is that we're just, we're too pessimistic to think this way? Is it that we're trained by our culture to think about all the things that are going wrong? Is it just that we're not strong enough to believe? What is it, Father, that causes us to miss the experience of daily living and the blessings of a life lived in Christ. And Paul makes a very powerful assumption that you and I all have to meet with and deal with in our life is, are we living our life in Christ or in our own strength? Because over and over and over and over again in this passage, Paul is showing us the caveat to a life of blessing. It's a life that's lived in tandem with Jesus. Jesus. In a life that's lived in tandem in Jesus, all the things that we've done in the past, that had, all the things that are done in the past that we wish we had never done, that thing that you're thinking of right now, and you all have it, maybe more than one. If you're like me, the devil, the devil knows it. He knows the facts of that pretty well. He remembers the day it happened, he remembers the people that happened with, or maybe you were by yourself. And he, he is the world's best reminder of those moments that you wish you forget, could forget. And Paul says, you know what one of the greatest blessings you can have in life is to know that you were redeemed from that and that it has been forgiven, and there is nothing that you have to do about it except allow the Holy Spirit to help you forget it. Now, it's a whole lot easier said than done, friends. It's a whole lot easier for me to stand up here and say that the blessing that God has provided through Christ is the way past, the way out of the penalty of the that we've made, and we can live daily in the light of His love and grace and forgiveness. It's quite another thing for you to lay in bed at night when there's no one else around, and that whole thing comes back up again. I serve Him. God could never love me because... I'll never be good enough because of what I did back then. And Paul is saying, you know what? If anybody has an excuse, it's me. If anybody can look and say, man, there's no way God can use me. I was trying to destroy the church. He says, I want you to know the blessing of living a life of forgiveness before him. A life of freedom. A life of passion to know in your life. No matter what you've done, no matter what you look like, no matter what your past is, No matter what your choices are, you've been chosen by God. Chosen by Almighty God to be a part of his family. A life, to live a life that's pleasing to him, a life of holiness. Where we're adopted into his family. We're his children, we're his own. Because of his redeeming grace and his forgiveness for anything that we've ever done. And Paul's just getting started. And i got to get stopped so we can go eat potatoes. That should have been six, potato feed. I didn't put that one on there. But just one more minute and we're going to let you guys go. There is so much in this passage about about God's blessings for us. And I can't tell you how many years I've just read over that and I was like, man, that's deep. And I just kept on reading. And my prayer for you and I, for the church in America today, is that we could just soak that in. Oh, the blessings that we have in Christ. The blessings that we have because we know Him. The blessings that we have because we're known by Him. Change everything. They change the past. Because it's forgotten and forgiven. It changes today because I'm not stuck in the past. I have a Father who loves me and has a plan for me and He wants me to live in that right now. And then I have the hope of everlasting life because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but what? I think Paul forgot one of those, but I think I added it. One of the other amazing blessings we have is an eternal hope in him. And friends, my prayer for us is that when we're down, we're, we're defeated, we're lonely, we're scared, we're depressed, we're discouraged, that the Holy Spirit would remind us in Christ as we put our faith, as we walk it through difficulty with him, we are beyond blessed by his spirit. We stand and we'll close in a word of prayer? Lord, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you for the message that it has for us. What an amazing man Paul was to write from prison, let's just have a praise session for the blessings of God. When was the last time we did that? In the midst of trial and tragedy and difficulty, God, we are blessed beyond measure because of you and because of a life lived in you. We just ask, Lord, that you would bless our fellowship and time together for those who can stay in the business meeting to follow. Father, may you receive all the glory from our life today.